0: what is the sustainability elements of modeling and simulation? Um, It's it's really about saving resources in many dimensions. So it can be in design um, and, and in the early phase that you save on prototypes.
1: Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind, Machines, in the Great Innocent.
2: Thanks for tuning in again to listen and geek out with us over the fascinating field of AI, machine learning, and the role of humans in it. Today, we're super happy to have Matthias Oppelt with us. Matthias is the head of the Siemens Simulation Center. He strives to unlock the potential of people, organizations, and portfolios and is passionate about software technology with a transformational power for the planet and people. I guess that's already sounds super exciting, so let's lose no more time and dive directly into this episode.
1: Matthias, welcome to the show and thanks so much for taking time. So, uh, you know, uh, let's kick off with an easy one, right? Uh, and, And let's refer to Nick Bostrom's actually aspect. What's your view on the simulation hypothesis and our nature of existence? Are we, is the universe an artificial simulation?
0: Thank you so much for for having me in the show, first of all. And, Uli, is that really an easy one to answer? Um, I'm not so sure about. So (laughs) if it would be a simulation, it would be at least a good one, I would Mm. say, because you wouldn't really notice. Um, You could also go really far on that question into quantum theory and so on and say, okay, what is really the mastermind of the universe? Is there any, um, uh, in my personal belief, I I hold it more um, also with Einstein, uh, like there there are certain things um, which we are currently not able to, to answer or to we <clears> have <throat> to have a solution for it immediately with our rational thinking as of today.
1: So that means, you know, it could be. Is that is that, depends? <laughs> That's like the consulting speech, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I said, if it is, it's an easy one. Mm. Um, maybe in um, a quotation I res- recently read about, um, there was a little... A girl, um, or you couldn't imagine, Oli, if, if you were asleep
1: mm-hmm. and you have a dream,
0: mm-hmm. it feels really real. Yeah. But if you wake up, you notice it was, just a, it was just a dream. All right. And that analogy was taken up, if you're now awakening in that sense, mm-hmm. would you wake up from that dream on earth? So I don't have an answer to that at the moment.
1: That's a good one.
2: What a cool perspective um, on it. And Matthias, you're right, that was not an easy question, but I will um, continue with, a, with an easier one, I hope at least, because we want to get to know you better because you are our genius mind today. So, you've worked and lived in very different places across Germany and the US. And um, prior to your work at Siemens, you've been uh, working for Audi, for a small, small startup. You worked as a consultant uh, for Jung Heinrich and the Lufthansa Technik. So, you've seen a lot. Um, And I'm curious to know what were the most shaping or amazing moments um, that you maybe even today often think back and that you would like to share here with the audience?
0: I I have to admit, um, I think the most priming moments in my life um, have been started way earlier. So I, I would have to start with things which I've not written in my CV and this is actually how I grew up. And I have to say, I grew up next to a farm. And since a little boy, I was spending basically all my days on the farm, working with the cows. Uh, so I was milking the cows. I was driving around with tractors. I was working and it didn't even feel like work. So for me, I was always say, I go to play um, on the farm next door, but I was actually, yeah, I was was, was working. And this really, I have to admit, um, if I reflect on that, it's, it's a very, very um, priming time for me because I have learned so many things for life, I can say. It's starting with working with your both hands, seeing what you have done. You have to work in a team. It's a farm to manage a team. Um, mm-hmm. You cannot do it alone. You have to be agile, what we call it today, because if you are harvesting your corn or whatever and there's a rain shower popping up, you better have to hurry up um, and you have to adapt, um, being flexible, being agile. Um, So this is what really was was priming me in the the very essence uh, from the early on. Um, And if I would summarize it, um, I would even say, okay, my analogy to work actually was so much driven out of it that I would say the ideal work today would be considered as playing for adults. So if you feel that it's basically like a play, then it's really you're in the flow and you're having a lot of fun and um, can really make a difference. Um, and another aspect what's primed me was also that I'm, I'm having that long-term trust um, and also driving things in a sustainable manner. So because if you put your... Um, your seeds into the into the ground in the beginning of the year. You have to have the trust um, that you can harvest certain things at the end of the year. So, I'm driving things with a long-term perspective out of a deep inner trust basis, um, <clears throat> and and this is this is where it comes from. And you you asked me about Siemens and Audi and all these companies I have worked for. Um, what at the end um, really is the essence and what prime it's also I could connect it a lot of times to individual people. So it's the empowerment I have in, in, engaged and, and I was lucky to receive when I was first time in the US. And I was a couple of weeks working when my boss came and said, OK, I just sold a consulting to a customer. I said, OK, I've never done it, but uh, sounds like fun. So um, this is like also receiving trust um, from people and then um go, growing with that um mm-hmm. and this is basically in all the companies it's about people so yes you have to have passionate and and, and passionate people you have to have great portfolios which you can identify with um, but at the end uh, business um and also connecting to the first question with all the simulation we we see in the world um business is made between people at the
2: end Wow what a beautiful answer and very um multifaceted so um, many different uh, perspectives that you just um outlined here um so we're all still facing the pandemic and there's the rise of delta and um so maybe the situation also showed a lot um how important it is to be resilient and to self reflect and um So what is your connection to mindfulness, Matthias? And we even heard that you did a training to become a mindfulness coach. Is that right? And what was your main motivation to do that and your biggest learning?
0: Um, So I'm doing a training to become a mindfulness uh, um, meditation teacher um, and and certify myself. The motivation behind that was... um, I'm, I'm meditating now for myself, and with a couple of retreats for think, almost almost a decade, um, and I noticed basically how it influenced also my life. Um, and I said um, <clears throat> one time, okay, if you really want to master certain things, uh, you need to teach it. Um, so, and then I stumbled over a co- course program. Um, which I re- very well resonated with me and I said okay yeah okay I should I should sign up for that and just just do it um, um, for for having the fun and really really mastering so I don't I'm not sure if I ever will give formal meditation courses or classes um, I but i I just wanted to experience it and I get in touch with so many great people from many different areas around the globe, because it's also done uh, virtually that training. So that's that's very inspiring for me to get to know all these different people you typically don't deal with in a day-to-day Siemens life, I would say. Um, So that's that's the biggest um, advantage out of it. Um, Yeah.
2: And does the meditation or your mindfulness practices um, also uh, turn out to be applicable in your professional life?
0: Um, indeed. Um, so when I first started meditation and, and, and mindfulness, um, I, I, I don't start directly with mindfulness and with meditation. I started more, more through yoga. Um, and and transitioned into that uh, more mindfulness meditation um, trajectory. Um, So I notice a certain calmness um, throughout the day um, when I regularly practice, um, and that could be just a few minutes each day to really focus and to to just notice your breath and um, how your mind wanders and all these things which come up if you would really try to tune in and uh, be mindful at the moment. Um, so I noticed that difference, how I could walk through the day when I have my um, daily practices. Um, and since I noticed that um, it was something, I was basically so, we could call it on the hook, so I didn't didn't lose, I, I started to intensify it a little bit, went on silent retreats. And um, yeah, I, I learned a lot about myself. Also, it helps a lot the reflection. So you mentioned in the beginning what drives me, um, this purpose statement to unlock the potential of people, organizations and technological portfolios. This is also what I discovered basically when I was starting some intensive self-reflection Also it's the beginning actually of Corona because we all were slow, forced to slow down and not to travel anymore. We couldn't run away. So we need to be with ourselves. So I just used that as an, <clears throat> as an trigger to, to learn more about myself. And mindfulness meditation was definitely a very helpful tool for me. And I'm going to apply it every day. And that's um, pretty cool.
1: So you, you worked out your, your own purpose statement, isn't
0: it? Yes, yes. Yeah. I was doing a lot of reflection, what really drives me, and um, also what what primed, primed me, uh, what are my strengths, um, so, and this is basically what it ended up with, that I could write down one sentence, which um, really is, so to say, my inner source of energy, where I really can develop a lot of passion if these ingredients come together, um i can do a really good job so to say
1: uh, that's pretty dope It's not an easy thing actually right coming up with one statement which which triggers somehow where you you know uh where you can pull out energy and you know identify yourself and they like okay this is the reason why right it's super super important super rewarding i guess but it's not an easy thing to 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 come up with that uh, have you done it by yourself or is that something which you were guided through the process
0: It was not a guided process, so it's also I left a little bit space for just um, creativity, so to say. It it was a mixture of many different things, Um, so mindfulness meditation, Mm -hmm. trainings I have done on personality, coaching sessions I was lucky to get, um, formal um, things like strength scope or strength finder, these tools to use it, personality checking tools. I think um, these 17 or 13 personalities um, <clears throat> things um, where you, it, it, it's some reflection, help to reflect formally. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me at the end, it was really when I was on retreat and I was discovering that sentence and also using yeah some formal methods, but I put it all together, and then it was not an easy one. But see, there was a moment when it appeared to me.
1: All right, let's let's talk about technology, right here So. You know, um, you're in the, in the simulation space, aren't you? Right. So simulation portfolio, simit and stuff like that. Right. Can you share a bit of, you know, that the audience also outside gets a bit of a glimpse? What, what does it mean? What are these typical cases, use cases, you know, um, you, you're thriving for or you, maybe that fascinates you in, in this space?
0: Sure. Um, so simulation is really a broad topic, so we could talk that for the next hours. Um, but to, to condense it, um, basically what, what we do with, with the Simit simulation portfolio, we are, we are simulating what is being automated by all the control systems, which, um, Siemens is providing, um, to our customers. Um, and we, we built in CIMIT, you could imagine that as easy as as you would build a virtual plant, a virtual factory, a virtual machine, which you could hook up to your real control system and then validate, test your control system. You could use it to train your operators, uh, machine operators, plant operators in interaction with the control system and the virtual machine and plant. And the best case is you cannot destroy anything. So you have best trained operators also in hazardous situations. Um, you have a well validated control system because you could do the full software FAT based on a virtual, um, realistically behaving plant. Um, so that's really the benefits we we drive and we we unlock uh, with the Simet portfolio. And this stands for sure in a in a way broader context of. The overall Siemens simulation portfolio, where there's really sophisticated chemical process simulation tools like GPROMs, where we have mechanical design, mechatronical design and simulation Mm -hmm. tools, um, robot simulation, cell simulation, factory floor simulation, material flow flow simulation. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a context of, of all. So you cannot capture the whole real world in just a single simulation tool or a single digital twin so it's it's really you're having these purpose oriented simulation mm-hmm. tools um, mm-hmm. and as mentioned simit has its purpose to have build up virtual plants for testing and training purposes along the life cycle of engineering and operations
1: all right and how what is the connection then to, to 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 the field of AI or the machine learning right um or let's say you know you have you have these two two sides right it's somehow complementing each other on the one side you do the physical based simulation approaches once maybe if no data is there right? um but on the other side you know uh, both have some share some commonalities in terms of you know predicting behaviors of it is these complex, maybe adaptive system, right? What what relevance does ML have actually? Are there any AI cases you're driving or within maybe the larger org? Um,
0: yeah, <clears throat> so machine learning, you're, you're right. There's there's a commonality between I would say physical or based on mathematical equations. Um, derived simulation model and the simulation model, which at the end is also mathematical equations, but it's derived from machine learning and there's maybe neural network. So one comes from data, one comes from textbooks, so to say, but at the end, it's a model which try to predict the behavior of of a real world thing. Um, So there's similarity uh, or commonality. Um, What I often experience, if you want to apply machine learning you need to have very rich data. So you could have a lot of data from, from a process plant, for example. And this ranges this for years or over years of operations. But if the plant was working fine, it most of the time it was working in steady state. So the mm-hmm. variety of data, it's very low. So you could just predict basically the normal state of operations. Mm. But immortal and unlocks the full potential if you could predict the un, unplanned behavior, so to say, what, what, is, what happened um, and you couldn't foresee. So therefore, in the, in the ideal world, um, you could combine it. Why would you combine it? Because also machine learning has advantages where you actually are not able to write down an equation, what is happening currently in your reactor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know it, how these process actually could be written down in the equation, you cannot come up with a physics- based model, but you could collect a lot of data and derive a model from that and then you combine basically the best of both worlds. That's the target um, and I think the future of ML and simulation being combined. Um, and this opens up new trajectories.
1: Yeah, somehow, um, also with regards to the concept of, I guess, um, you know, software 2.0, uh, I think that's uh, somehow, I, I see simulation as software 1.0, to be honest, right? Uh, it's, it's Kapathy, right? He's, he's leading, uh, in Tesla, the computer vision stuff. Um, but he comes with the notions like software 1.0 is like you write the source code, right? Uh, so basically you, you define the, 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 the physical, you know, the model basically. Um, and then you feed data in there, right? Or stimulate um, and adopt, ad- or make, make make some changes on, the, on 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 the model side, um, which is the traditional software development path. On the other side, he's you referring to machine learning methodologies, a software two paradigm, which says like actually, um, it's the data who's writing the source code, right? So you don't um, you have a bit of the input output, obviously, um, definition or the the the. the yeah, Optimization gradients, um, but uh, actually the entire source code has been written uh, through the through the data that you feed in, and that's why you know his his rationale is that you know IDEs and software development uh, need to be also um, adopt to the software two point um, you know paradigm, like working with data basically, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's an interesting um, idea, and. <clears throat> it's maybe not so easy to imagine how how software basically writes itself. Uh, I know there are certain algorithms to do it um, and there will be much more assistance uh, from my perspective in in future, also driven from, from an AI perspective. Mm. Um, so everything which is some kind of a routine job um, and you could very well describe it, what should happen when and so on, could be automated. Um, and, and will be automated in a certain point of time because it's not not using the full human potential as creativity. So the one aspect I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with and um, I'm I would, or just thinking about is if it's all based on data and based on the data from the past, we try to predict the future. Wouldn't the future not just look like the past and how do we bring in these creativity our human minds could bring in to not just only predict the future out of the past, but really bringing these new twists in. And I think that's the ideal combination of having these data-driven aspects. But so I I would potentially always see in software 2.0 and 4.0 or whatever mm. humans adding their creative minds um, into. The models and the software
1: of the future. But right, but maybe it's hard. it's it's even you know having exploiting some kind of boundaries of a technical system maybe easier for you know a software system than a, a human system, isn't it? Right. But uh, at least coming up with new new flavors to it might maybe be interesting. But then it's,
0: again, it's a well-described optimization problem and certain boundaries find the mm. optimal solution. Sure, mm. an optimizer can do that better because that's a multivariable optimization problem. Mm. Human minds are not designed to solve that. Um, but but we're we getting ideas in, we are setting the boundaries and um, then the algorithm will do the job.
1: Mm. So in, in reverse, what's your view? You know, where do you envision that machine learning can add to, uh, to build better simulations?
0: As I, I would say there, I would expect a certain change that it's more going into the hybrid world of combining machine learning, uh, data-driven models with physics-based models. So combining the best out of the two worlds, um, that's, that's the scenario I would envision um, how, how the next step of simulation will
1: look like.
2: Yes, um, also simulation and especially the connection to digital twins seems to be uh, quite pervasive technology and is um, applicable in very different scenarios. But what are use cases that are like currently just emerging um, or that will uh, become more and more crucial for the future? And what is a digital twin to you? And um, what are the biggest challenges that make partners and clients pick up the concept for the industrial operations?
1: That's a lot of questions, isn't it? In one thing, (laughs) yeah, it's not
0: just one. So um, let's see where to start. What's a digital twin? A digital twin for me is a virtual replica of a real world asset. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and this, it's and there's also not just one digital twin from my perspective. There are many digital twins, Um, and it's not just data. It's also simulation models and so on. Um, So. It's, it's really, there are many twins um, related to a certain as, asset and um, you can put them all together and, and um, <clears throat> then have a maybe more enriched uh, digital twin, or at least you store all the twins associated to the, to the asset in a central location. But as mentioned, it's, it's a virtual replica of a physical asset. Um, what use cases out of this digital twin would would emerge? for me it's it's all about assistance. Um, operator assistance, um, designer assistance, engineering assistance, um, So helping to answer questions they have to find the optimal design, to find the optimal operational strategy, to find the optimal solution, how to react if there's some disruptions in the value chain and supply chain happening? How do I need to adapt? Um, can I add these order um, to my production? What would be the impact? What would be the influence? How much longer can I run my my furnace, uh, for example, and I have to do a cleaning cycle? Um, all these questions, which um, where you, which you would have. Throughout design, engineering, and operations, their digital twins would become and evolve into an assistance system that you could ask them questions, you could interact with them. And if there's actually the way where you could interact with them very naturally, and they also have to a certain thing, uh, their own thinking and anticipation, what would be relevant in such context and situation and, and help you to also find the right solution as easy as possible. I think that would be, would be certainly the next big step. And to your last question about the challenges to adapt such technologies, um, at the bottom line, it's about trust. So the humans being assisted by that technology, um, they need to trust the system, and mm-hmm. there needs to be deep trust. Um, and this is this is probably the biggest challenge um, because these technology becomes so complex, but you need to explain what is actually happening and how it's working. Um, that you could foster these trust and it's also trust needs to be built so you need to work with the system and it needs to prove quite good quality in, in answering um, certain things that it's continued to be used and then it starts to improve itself um, so it's becoming better and better um, but it's really about the trust and in terms of scalability um, to make the technology as easy as possible to digest by operators and non simulation machine learning experts um, for sure. We need experts in that technology who come up with that solution with that exist assist- assistance systems in the first place who can deploy it then on a larger scale. So it's also a certain challenge about finding the right um, personnel and the right people um, to deal with such technology um, mm. and, and, and also maintain it, um, keep it on board. So when I was, just just another small story when I was traveling and talking to a lot of customers about advanced process control, which I was told at university, it's heavily used in process industries and so on. Um, and then I was going into the industry and, and saying, okay, and I always had this question, where, where are your, all your advanced process control systems? So, and the answer which I didn't got just once. I got it multiple times, yeah, we had a system, um, it's somewhere down there in the corner, we switched it off because there was some PhD student working it, and he left the company and then a couple of months later, nobody was really understanding what the system does, so we, we shut it down and we are back on manual operations, so I said, okay, that's your advanced control, so I boiled it down to say advanced control in industry, it's a tuned PID loop, so there's a lot of room for... Um, higher control systems and assistance systems, which you deeply trust and operated on long, long time.
1: I think that's an interesting thing. So, and, and I think this is also parallels to the machine learning community, right, which heavily gained from uh, what I would say the open source movement and the open source momentum, right? Not only because of um, data accessibility, right, which was been out, ImageNet and so on, but um, but also a long line of you know the source code and frameworks are being shared by, you know, also by corporates, right? We have, I don't know, PyTorch, Keras, um, you know, TensorFlow and these kinds of aspects. So uh, this, this open source that you shape the community around development and contributing new advances on archivex on a paper level describing for what and how and also um, um, sharing the code right along with the frameworks and advancing that had a significantly acceleration on on the progress of you know on the machine learning progress and so it's not a single person right the working student here he Tested it out, and he's the only one to acknowledge about. But somehow, it felt this democratization to 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 a super geeky topic, right? Is is do you see a similar trend in the optimization simulation space? What's what's the role of software developing, sharing, or benchmarking status right models? Is, is there is there a space in in the community?
0: Um. At least in my vision, there's, there's definitely a space uh, for such community and for, for much bigger um, sharing rate. So because you develop your your simulation models and um, you could share them, and if there would be easy mechanisms to either share them open source, um, <clears throat> you should be able to do it uh, much easier than today. And, and the next aspect is, Maybe you want to share that model, but you don't want to disclose all the IP, which is, which is within the model, but you don't want to have others bring others in the situations that they can use the model. Um, so this is also something where we need to be able to share models, which are more know how protected, um, regarding the asset, which is being simulated. But I certainly see a rising demand in, models to be shared. And if I just look at Siemens, so how fabulous would it be if all our um, drives and actuators, sensors, motors, what we all sell, they would be accompanied by a digital twin. And a digital twin, not just uh, a drawing or things like that, a real digital twin you could actually interact with. Um, You could um, integrate in your simulation model of your overall machine or your overall, overall Plant and use these expertise of the component manufacturer or the module supplier or the machine supplier because these are the ones who know that, that system and that asset as best as possible. So that should be the ones who de- create the digital twin and deliver it, accompanying the real twin, or even as all. Twins have a birth order. I would always say the digital twin is born first, so the digital twin goes first to the machine builder. He would, would develop the machine concept, size the right motors, and so on. That would be unlocking a completely new way of digital engineering and simulation-based or model-based engineering. Um, so. Definitely yes. In terms of sharing, um, also applying uh, philosophies from software development and how you share, how you version your models, um, how you distribute it. um, um, Definitely, um, that is a trend. um, I would like also to. to, I would actually see, and I would expect it to to pick up um, in future. Uh,
2: That was an exciting vision. Um, Matthias, you like in your purpose statement, you also say like you want to create value for the planet and the people, or you're passionate about that. And um, since the challenges of our present time are very severe and very uh, present, also um, as the recent stormwater events have shown, or um, also the pandemic is showing us every day, how do we at Siemens really contribute to creating technology with purpose, so re- saving resources through simulation and modeling? Do you have some examples?
0: Yeah, that's a good good question, and I just recently um, had to give a speech at the Achima Pulse, um, and I was thinking about what would be the best content for my my storyline, and we were coming up and basically with what is the sustainability elements of modeling and simulation. So how do we contribute exactly to your question? And so I could repeat that now for the next fifteen minutes or I s summarise it and make you make a little appetite to watch that maybe. Um it's it's really about saving resources in many dimensions. So it can be in design um and, and in the early phase that you save on prototypes. So in a machine building you save on metals, um but also a very crucial resource. And our hardest currency in the world is time. So if you can save on time and, and, and avoid wasting time um, by having questions answered earlier, and you took the risks away by simulating and modeling it, I think it's a well contribution. So the other things so I said, saving resources in terms of energy, in terms of material, um, also increasing the efficiency in operations. With the models, so you could again save energy. You can save on raw materials. So if you just be able to produce in your plant two percent more out of the same input, you would you would have certainly gained efficiency and have done something for the environment. So it's basically saving time and resources um, with the element of simulation. Just getting it first right um, with with a virtual model um at your hand awesome so w-
1: w- when it when it's uh, w- when will it be displayed so the folks out there will be seeing the talk on youtube i guess then or it's on youtube already yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so matthias we, we are coming actually almost to the end but before that obviously you know you have been in the corporate space for quite some while right and you saw and are exposed to quite some talents and entrepreneurs and programs right what has changed actually, you know, in, in the last years in maybe on your leadership style over the last year? And maybe are there some lessons, you know, learned that you want to give also to young talents who, you know, want to make it different in large corporations? How to survive? Is there a 101 <laughs> on doing that and not leaving that, but uh, joining and, and trying to innovate? Uh, so I, I had to laugh and it, it's it's...
0: It's not really a survival guide because it's not too bad, um, Oli. So um, you can you can do great things um, within uh, large corporations. Um, mm. So what was uh, what has changed in my leadership style? So over the last years, um, I, I would say it's it, I just gained much more confidence. Um, so it's really a lot linked to experience. Um, So the confidence level, what do I mean by that? It's, it's basically these inner trust in me, which I'm connected to that. I would, I would just be confident and also going into, um, into situations which are maybe where there's uncertainty, how to deal with the uncertainty so that I'm, I'm confident I will, I will find a solution. So there will be a solution. So if it's the best one, I don't know, but I'm confident a solution will show up um, if it's time for, for them. So that's that's giving me a lot of calmness and, and, and security throughout the day and throughout also the leadership and that um, things will show up um, when the time is right. Um, and, and this is also, therefore I can manage um, the teams and so on also with the, with this calmness and um, also with that long-term, long-term vision, I'm always putting in, in the centerpiece of my management style. And the same as with trust, so I'm putting a lot of trust um, and empowerment um, also on my employees um, and talents and entrepreneurs. Um, and maybe the greatest lessons, um, <clears throat> I would say. Also in large corporations, or especially everything is possible. So if you wanna do it, um, you you could do it. Um, not Let you not stop uh, by people saying, we have always done it like this and that will never work. And we have tried it 10 years before. Yeah, just do it um, and um, it is possible. Um, you should always try to find the right ecosystem. And um, what do I mean with that? It's also the surrounding. Um, so that it comes back to the the first question you you raised uh, to me, and what is so essential of business? It's it's the people. So you you should also look at what people you want to work with, and are the people good for you to to help you to develop yourself and um, to help and reflect to grow. Um, um, is it an open, open-minded uh, surrounding if you're looking for that? So, so also look at the people in terms of the ecosystem and if it's the right place for you to grow. And last but not least, um, I would say, just be yourself. Um, that's so important. And we have more, more, more uh, many people who would like to be likes, um, just be yourself. Bring in your diversity into the world, and um, then you you are also having more fun and more uh, more confidence basically in your life, and um, you will you will be able to grow much faster if you are yourself and you're not trying to be someone else.
2: Mm. Wow, Matthias, that's so inspiring, and um, it was um, super awesome to talk to you and to get to know you better your personal side but also um, all the technical insights so thanks for so much for that Uh, but before we finish off this episode uh, we want to play um, our favorite game as uh, authentic autocomplete so for the closing i will give you a couple of sentence starters and you will just finish matthias are you ready i'm ready awesome so siemens is
0: great
1: (laughs) <laughs> that was the, sh- the, the, the shortest answer we ever get from that. <laughs>
2: <The> point. <laughs> Good point,
1: right?
2: Simulation is?
0: The enabler of a more sustainable um, future.
2: Beautiful. Technology with purpose is?
0: Necessary to transform the world.
2: Amazing. And last but not least, um, if I could invent a rule for everyone in the world to follow, it would be
0: probably also the uh, shortest rule.
1: I would say just be. Oh, nice! Ah. love it how you how you downsize. You know complexity. We always start with tricky question at the beginning. At the end, right? You do, and you do uh, you do make it uh, very easy. Actually, sounding very easy for you. Matthias, thanks so much uh, for your time and for a bit of a sharing. You know, let, letting us in a bit on on what's what's your passion, what's your purpose, and actually also what's what's your view on the simulation and the role of machine learning in that. Uh, so super nice, super interesting. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much for
1: having me on the
0: show, and it was really a pleasure to share with you and the audience um, what's in my head
1: and my thoughts. And folks out there, stay tuned. There's a lot more to come. Stay hashtag bold, hashtag committed, hashtag Tourette open-minded. And we hear us definitely at the next Siemens ARLed podcast. Cheers.